Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. And one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. You notice what's happening, right, friends? Ronna McDaniel announces her stepping down from the RNC. Mitch McConnell announces his stepping down as Senate Minority Leader. Things are changing, and it's due to you. It's not just due to the passing of time. It's also due to the ever more clear, impending victory of President Trump. It's a sign of things to come. Welcome to Praying for America. We don't just comment on the news. We pray over the news. We want to pray for momentum tonight, for a continued uh, cleansing of any kind of lingering compromise of any type. We want to go full force with the MAGA movement and with making America courageously great because it takes courage to restore the greatness of this nation. Thanks for being with us. We're going to start, as usual, with the Word of God, and then we'll get into our commentary and our prayers. I want to go into Psalm 119, or I should say continue, because we've been reading from Psalm 119. It is a lengthy psalm, and it is filled with praise of God's law, because our nation is rooted in that. This is an aspect of the greatness of America, rooted in God's law, the awareness that we can know that law, and that unless our hearts are rooted in that law, we can't govern ourselves. Makes sense, right? You can't govern a nation. You can't lead a nation in a certain direction unless you know which is the right direction, which is the wrong one, which is the fruitful one, which is the destructive one, which is the one in which you're going to prosper, which is the one in which you're going to die. We have to be rooted in God's law. So let's rejoice now as we both read and pray the words of Psalm 119. We start with verse 81. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me 
for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Let us pray. Father, we do love your law. Our founders loved your law. Our founders delighted in your word. Lord God, we delight in your word because in making America great again, we must sink deeply into your word. Your word is the lamp to our steps, the light to our path, the salvation of our souls, our bread of life. Lord God, your word is what keeps this nation strong, and our adherence to your word is what will keep this nation great. Keep us on your path. May we impart your word to our fellow citizens. Let that word shape their vote in this utterly critical election. May we proclaim that word to our children. May it shape their desires. May it be the center of gravity of all their choices in their life. May that word, Lord God, lift this nation up out of the violence of abortion, that we should never think it a solution to our problems to destroy our children literally, physically destroy our children. This is never a solution to anyone's problems. Lord, take our nation out completely of the grip of abortion, its deceptiveness, its violence. Lord, bless us as we undertake and undergo and witness changes in our country, and bless us, Lord, as we confront the police state, which we will again discuss tonight. Help us, free us, liberate us, Make America great again, Lord God, by rooting it in the principles of your kingdom and making our citizens responsible, responsible and responsive to your law. We pray through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Okay, so Mitch McConnell. You know, I have conflicted feelings because, yes, I share your uh, and, and President Trump's uh, views about the just repeated failure of leadership. Uh, and and the, the way that he has uh, funneled money to some of the wrong candidates and failed to support some of the right ones, no doubt, no question about it. I'm 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 very very happy that I mean it's way way over time that uh, he retire from his position of leadership there in the Senate. Uh, at the same time, you have to give credit where credit is due. You know we. We saw his strength, especially in there in the early years of the Trump administration. We need to give credit where credit is due, and I'm grateful for his standing fast in regard to the Supreme Court. Okay, Remember what happened in 2016. Supreme Court vacancy, and what did Merrick Garland uh, want to do? What did Obama want to do? He wanted to put Garland on the Supreme Court. We've seen what a disaster this man is. We know now what more of, what a disaster Merrick Garland is. We didn't know it as well back then, but we knew if it was a choice coming from Obama, and well, it was going to be disastrous. We knew that much. McConnell kept him off the Supreme Court. He insisted. You know, the Democrats were 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 in control at that point, and, and McConnell said, "No, we're 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 uh, we're holding firm." And we are uh, not going to agree to a vote on this uh, nominee until after the election. Let the American people decide. But then, of course, under President Trump and when the Republicans did uh, control the Senate, what did he do? Well, first of all, 
of course, with the uh, uh, change in the rules in the, in the Senate, he protected the legislative filibuster, but brought about a change in the rules for the confirmation of Supreme Court justices, getting rid of the filibuster there and uh, enabling it to be decided on a simple majority. Uh, we got, uh, that's how we got uh, Gorsuch in there. And then, of course, the other two, including at the last minute, Amy Coney Barrett, when the 2020 election was approaching, and Senator McConnell took the opposite approach, but it's perfectly justified because they were in the majority. And he said, okay, we're going to have the, um, we're going to have the, uh, the vote on Amy Coney Barrett, and we're going to confirm her to, uh, to the court. And uh, that indeed happened. And uh, standing firm in the midst of the, uh, the Kavanaugh uh, hearings and all that whole circus that the Democrats uh, put on at that time, my goodness. I mean, that was something that uh, was uh, unprecedented, and yet he was able to stand firm in... Uh, in that whole scenario as well. So brothers and sisters, uh, credit where credit is due. We thank him for, uh, uh, for, for, for doing all of that. Of course, he's wrong in, 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 in regard to what he said about President Trump. Now, of course, he, he voted to acquit President Trump after in the fake impeachment uh, in regarding uh, inciting an insurrection of which A, there was no in insurrection and B, whatever it was that happened, he did not incite. But, uh, you know, McConnell had said he was practically and morally responsible for the Capitol riot. No, he wasn't. If anybody was responsible for that, it was the, it was the election stealers. Because the American people are not stupid. We know when an election is stolen from us. The ones who did this, i.e. Democrats, are responsible. 100%. This is, this is ridiculous. You think the American people aren't going to push back when an election is stolen from them? Think again. He said at the time, American citizens attacked their own government. No, 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 no. Senator McConnell. Americans attacked their government when, in the person of Democrat operatives, they transgressed the law and stole an election. That's Americans attacking the government. That's Americans attacking the government. And then he goes on to say, oh, they did this because they had been fed wild falsehoods by the most powerful man on earth because he was angry he'd lost an election. Oh, really? Is that, is that, is that what happened? So do you have an answer for all the unanswered questions about the 2020 election? How in the world? The statistical anomalies and impossibilities all took place at the same time in the same, in the, just the, exactly the right places. How do you explain? Has anyone ever explained the all of these? You know, Peter Navarro put together a detailed analysis of all the statistical, not just improbabilities, but for all practical purposes, impossibilities. And they haven't been explained. No court explained them. People say, oh, the court threw out the cases. It's because they didn't want to hear them. It's not because they heard them and decided on the merits. It's because they didn't want to hear them. Got answers for this? You're going to call it for... Here's my point. 
If you're going to call it a wild falsehood that this election was stolen, well, then give me the answer to the unanswered questions that have arisen in the minds of millions of Americans about how that election was conducted. You can't have it both ways. You can't say on the one hand, oh, I don't have an answer to those questions, but oh, it's a wild falsehood that it was stolen. You can't have it both ways. Either answer the questions and you say, see, it wasn't stolen. Here's why it turned out that way. Or admit that you don't have an answer to the questions and refrain from characterizing it as a falsehood. But you cannot, at the same time, call it a falsehood and then go on and say, oh boy, oh boy well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Let's move on. Let's not worry about those questions. Yes, we move on. Yes, President Trump is moving on because he's proposing policies for this nation. Just look at Agenda 47 on his website, DonaldJTrump.com. You'll see he's moving on real well. And he's proposing novel policies for this country that are going to make America even greater than he made it under his first term. Read, listen, watch, learn. But at the same time, he knows that moving forward, we have to have confidence in our elections. And so it's perfectly legitimate. It's not wallowing in the past. It's not being a sore loser. It's perfectly legitimate to demand an answer to the unanswered questions that have shaken the confidence of a lot of American voters in the very process by which they vote. That's not healthy for any country. No, it's like saying, you know, I've had this pain for a long time in my, in my, uh, in my chest. I had this pain, and uh, you know, but I don't want to keep talking about this pain. I, I, we just have to move on. You have to move on with life. I have to move on. If you don't investigate what's causing that pain, you may not be able to move on. And that's exactly the analogy for the health of America. There's a pain in the chest in America over our elections. And we have got to get it resolved. Now, we've done a lot of things to get it resolved. There's been a lot of good election integrity reform going on. It's very encouraging that there is a heightened awareness of this. In fact, I think the awareness is higher than it's ever been. And all of that can help. The solution, as we've said before, it's overwhelming turnout. Sure, there's always going to be cheating, there's always going to be fraud. Just You have to overwhelm it. You have to try to prevent it. And this is what the laws do and various election integrity efforts do. And we at Priests for Life have helped election integrity efforts. And people like Hogan Gidley, who we'll have on again as a guest on this program. And we help to look at the data on various voter rolls, find out, you know, you got 17, uh, 17 voters registered here at the same address. Yeah, that's a little bit... Uh, little bit suspicious. Let's go check out that address and then you go there and you find an empty lot. You don't think there's a problem with this? But just like there's a margin of error, there's a margin of fraud as we've reminded you many times. We have to remind our fellow citizens. I want you to talk about this to people who who say, oh well you know I'm not so sure that uh, I'm going to uh, be able to uh, to vote uh, because I don't have confidence in, uh, in the process. Brothers and sisters, you don't give, you don't hand over the field to the enemy. 
Just because they cheat, you don't, you don't walk away. You go in there and you overwhelm the other side with the numbers of votes. So I wanted to go off on that a little bit because, you know, I mean, Mitch McConnell has said some, some really, really bad things over the course of his leadership. He's done some very, very good things, but it's time for a change. Think, and now let's hope the change is better, not worse. And let's, uh, we'll of course see how that unfolds and we want to get behind uh, the best possible alternative we need. Okay, so we had a leadership fight in the House. And let's just say this in advance. I don't know how this is going to unfold in these coming days. This is brand new. But could we please avoid what happened with on the, on the House side? And I'm not talking about the, the protracted battle. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, can we avoid the rhetoric by which people jump to the conclusion that if this takes some time, or if it's contentious, or if there's many rounds of voting, or if there's different factions, the jumping to the conclusion that that's chaos, or that that's uh, uh, that that that's mal mis malfunctioning of the of the Senate, uh, no. The senators have a vote. And it's perfectly okay if they disagree with one another. And it's perfectly okay if it's a protracted battle that ends up leading to strong leadership. Nobody's perfect. And nobody's looking for someone who's perfect. You're not going to find them. And nobody can infallibly predict that someone's not going to disappoint. But you can fight it out. You can argue it out. You can take the time you need to take and support the people you believe you need to support to end up getting the best leader. Let's not automat let's not think that the only way for our system to work is for it to be an overnight process. Oh, we got to have unanimity right from the start. Whoever said that? Whoever said that that should be an expectation? Oh, I got to have unanimity unanimity right from the start. So according to whom? All right, Catherine Herridge. Let's let's go to this topic here. You know who Catherine Herridge is? I've been watching her and impressed by her. She had time at she was a reporter at, at Fox, investigative journalist, and then went over to CBS. One of absolutely the best, e embodying classic journalism, where she would actually investigate facts and go where the truth led with a sense of, of professionalism and objectivity unfortunately rarely found anymore among journalists who have just really destroyed that profession and its reputation. But Catherine Herridge held on to it. She was investigating things that were making the Biden crime family very uncomfortable. She got fired from CBS the other day. Now, they had to lay off a lot of people. So you might say, oh, okay, well, there's no big deal. Don't read into it. Except that something unprecedented happened to this journalist who was really poking and getting into some hot stuff about the Bidens. They confiscated her files. 
you ever hear of this? This is unheard of. CBS employees stating that they could not recall the company ever taking such a step. There was a great opinion piece by Jonathan Turley. Anyone who isn't confused doesn't really understand the situation, CBS icon Edward R. Murrow said. Seizing her files, this is what they did. They seized her files, they didn't just let her go. She had files both from her work at CBS and her work at Fox. I'm going to tell you one of the things she was honing in on recently, which I think was the trigger for this. But she got fired. They seized her files, computers, and records, including information from privileged sources. Now, before we get to what it is she was zeroing in on, you realize that, that first of all, this is unprecedented. And secondly, the danger that this puts all journalists in and the danger to the process of investigative journalism, you have to be able to have sources of information. This is part of the health of the nation, the health of a free republic where there is freedom of inquiry, freedom of speech, freedom to redress grievances with the government, freedom of the press. You gotta be able to have sources You've got to be able to use those sources, and you've got to be able to protect those sources. It, unless a source has confidence that they will be protected, well then how are they going to have the strength to come forward with information that some people in power may not like? The reason you protect your source is that this information that, of which they are the source can get some pretty powerful people pretty darn mad at them. And you need to protect them from the retaliation that so often comes. Well, now, this also is retaliation against Catherine herself. And you know what she was honing in on? You know what she was zeroing in on? Was the... Um, the fact that with all this story, all these stories about Hunter Biden, and the Biden crime family, and all the money going back and forth, the dark money, Dick Morris wrote a good book about this recently, check it out, called Corrupt. But there's an aspect of this which is the most important point, which sometimes gets overlooked, but Catherine Herridge was not overlooking it. She pointed out the evidence that there was a FARA violation. FARA, Foreign Agents Registration Act, is a law that requires that if you're lobbying the U.S. government on behalf of a foreign entity, you've got to register as such a lobbyist. And Catherine Herridge points out, well, you know, the evidence shows Biden, uh, Hunter Biden was known and acting as a lobbyist. So did he violate Farah by not registering as such? And furthermore, who would he have been lobbying? This was a lobbying of his father, the vice president, serving under Obama, the president, on behalf of foreign entities for whom he was working, Hunter Biden, 
brothers and sisters, this is a big deal. And why might someone from the administration have pressured CBS to fire this reporter and take the further absolutely unheard of step of confiscating her records? Would it make sense that somebody did this precisely because not just Joe Biden, but Obama would be implicated? Think Obama didn't know what was going on in his, in his White House and with Joe and with these foreign countries and with any kind of law? Of course he knew. Remember Biden with that taped conversation about the firing of the prosecutor and the billion dollars with Ukraine? Oh, yeah, prayer. Uh, call him. Call the president. Call him. He'll tell you. You're not going to get the money. Friends, you know, this is, this, this is not rocket science what's going on here. This is not rocket science. And when they try to block the work of a good journalist like Catherine Herridge because she's zeroing in on something that the, these, these deep state uh, uh, operatives and, and, and really they're tyrants don't believe in freedom of speech, don't believe in freedom of the press, Democrat Party has abandoned those things. When they want to try to stop, we the people have to pick up the slack and we've got to speak. Talk about Farah. Talk about the violation of this Federal Agents Registration Act by Hunter Biden. Make that the issue. Talk about the, the fact that this implicates Obama. You know, for all we talk about them protecting Biden, they're protecting Obama. Also, this FBI informant who was relied on as a trusted source by the FBI for years and years has been arrested, Alexander Smirnov. Now, the case against the Bidens does not rest on this individual alone. Let's make that clear, because this is the narrative the other side wants to spin, which is, oh, you see, they arrested this Alexander Smirnov because now he lied when he blew the whistle on uh, uh, by the Bidens getting all this dark money and so forth. Oh, oh, and now he lied, so oh, now the case the Republicans have against Biden is falling apart. Nonsense. Has nothing to do with Smirnoff, has to do with eyewitnesses, other testimonies, tape recordings, bank records. We've seen this all already. Again, Dick Morris's book lays it out. Committee hearings in Congress lay it out. We've never so much as mentioned this man's name on this program, and a lot of other commentators who've covered these stories haven't mentioned this man's name either. But the fact of the matter is, do you smell something fishy here where all of a sudden, why is this man being arrested and why all of a sudden do we have another Russian collusion story going on here that, oh, he was actually a double agent on behalf of Vladimir Putin? Uh, if you're taking this with a grain of salt and you're saying, wait a minute, it makes more sense that this dark administration that we have going on here, which is guilty, did this as an act of, again, protecting both Biden and Obama? Oh, I have no doubt. Keep an eye on this. It'll all come out. Let's go back into prayer. Father, we pray for this nation and we pray for the light to continue to expose the darkness. Lord God, we pray for leadership in our nation. We pray for the outgoing uh, leaders there in the Republican National Committee, Ron, Ronna McDaniel, and, and in the Senate, 
Mitch McConnell, Lord God, we, uh, we, 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 we long for change. Lord God, we pray, first of all, we pray for these individuals and their families and their colleagues. We wish them well, but Lord God, we, we thank you that an era is changing. And we pray at this moment that the processes that are about to take place, important processes, Lord, in our nation, we pray the Holy Spirit right now upon this, processes that will lead to a new chair of the RNC, processes that will lead to a new leader in the Senate. Lord God, send the Holy Spirit right now. We as the body of Christ invoke the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, wisdom that knows how to fight for the best leadership. We're not just satisfied, we're not just going to be satisfied here with a transfer of leadership. Lord God, it's not enough if the old guard goes only to bring in somebody who's not any better. Lord God, we're asking for someone better. We're asking for a step, not just forward, but a step upward. We're asking, Lord, for just such clear, visionary, inspiring, courageous leadership that we go to new heights of success in this nation. Lord, this is what we need. And this is what we pray for. We pray for all the people involved in this decision-making process. We pray for all those who are candidates for these positions. And we pray that ultimately this will, this will play heavily into the victory that our nation needs. We pray for the voters of Michigan who once again gave President Trump a victory last night in the Michigan primary. We thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you. And we ask for the continued pouring out of wisdom upon the voters of America as we go deeper into this election cycle. We sum up all our prayers. We pray for one another and all our needs. And we sum up our prayers by offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thank you, friends. Thanks for joining me. And uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow night on Praying for America. God bless. Hello, this is Abby Johnson of Unplanned the Movie. You know me as a longtime supporter of Priest for Life and of Father Frank Pavone. And I just wanna encourage you as someone who knows of the great work of this organization, please continue to stand strong. Please continue to support this mission. It is so needed now more than ever. Thank you so much for all of your support. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.